So um, let me ask you how you would react if you were voted least likely to succeed in high school. <laughs> how would you react to that? Least likely to succeed. There's, there's a guy by the name of Jack Clifford who was voted least likely to succeed in his high school in the 50s. And um, he, was, he said he was a C student. Uh, and so he was just, you know, middle of the road, but also he was just kind of existing is the way that he kind of described his, his life. He was just sort of existing through. Um, and a new principal at the school saw him and kind of saw something in him, gave him a push, invested in him. And he, he was, Jack was willing to, to work hard and he was willing to do uh, the right things, but his motivation was, was lacking, which is obviously why he was voted least likely to succeed in school. But some of this motivated him. I don't know how this would motivate you potentially if you were voted this way. Would it motivate you or would it sink you maybe down into a level of depression? I don't know. Um, but it motivated him and this mentor, this new principal, really started investing in him and pouring in him and gave him extra attention and gave him the push because he saw something in him that others didn't see. Jack ended up being the co-founder of Food Network. Maybe you've heard of it. It was revolutionary when it, when it started. I remember when Food Network launched. There were, I mean, in, in some ways it was like, really? Just a whole channel about food and cooking? You know, and now we're like, I don't know about you, but I could watch diners, drive-ins, and dives for a really, really long time over and over again. Triple D, right? But at the same time, like at the time, it was revolutionary, and, and, and nobody had really thought anything like that. And it, it became and is this juggernaut now, all started by somebody who was voted least likely to succeed. And now, um, he actually just passed away in 2019, um, but since 2002, he started a $10,000 scholarship, multiple scholarships a year that he gave away at his high school in Grand Rapids to students that needed that extra push to motivate them. And he said that his, his life goal, I want other kids to succeed, is as simple as that. I want other kids to succeed. That's the goal of my life. That's what he said. And since 2002, he's given away over 50 $10,000 scholarships. So do the math. That's a lot of money. I'm not going to try to do that math. That's easy math, I know. But the thing is, he invested then in other people because someone invested in him, because someone saw something in him. And instead of taking that stigma that the world gave him of least likely to succeed, he used that as motivation to push forward and to do something revolutionary that in many ways has affected each and every one of us. Jesus has a purpose for you and for me in the kingdom of God. To succeed in the work of the kingdom. And what I'm talking about is purpose. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about purpose. Prosperity is a word that, that maybe we start to go that direction and think, oh, well, the, the purpose is, is for me to prosper in the ways of the world. And that's not necessarily Jesus' end goal for you and for me. It's purpose. Because are we measuring on an eternal scale or are we measuring on a worldly scale? Maybe you voted yourself least likely to succeed in this world. I think too many people have. Too many of us, even in this room and maybe watching online, have voted ourselves least likely to succeed. And you might be feeling that way, but it just isn't true. And sometimes, you know, the most successful people that we know are miserable. There are a lot of very successful people by the world standards that are miserable. 
because their motivation, it's aimed at the things of this world. And when, we, and when our motivation is aimed at the things of this world, it's never going to completely fulfill our purpose. But we can find our purpose in seeking the things above. We find our purpose in seeking the eternal purpose, the eternal purpose for our lives and for this world because God has an eternal purpose for this world and for those around us and for those that you come in contact with. And he wants to use you, yes, you, to make a difference in this world, to accomplish that purpose. And when I say, yes, you, you might be like, Jay's not talking about me. No, I am. I'm specifically talking about you, person who thinks I'm not talking to you. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. So everybody today can feel like Jay's talking right to them, because I am. I'm talking right to all of you, each and every one of you individually. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit talks to you individually and honestly makes you squirm and a little bit uncomfortable today in all the good ways, because awkward is awesome and God uses awkward times. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at unlikely people in Scripture who God used to do amazing things. And when I, when I say their name, you're not going to be like, wow, unlikely. But yeah, in the moment, at the time, people voted them probably least likely to succeed or least likely to do anything that made a difference. David is who we're going to look at today. And I know we say King David and all of that stuff. But honestly, when you look at his story, he was voted least likely to succeed. His family forgot about him when Saul showed up. And, or, or I'm sorry, when Samuel showed up and was going to anoint the next king, um, he was kind of forgotten about. Talk about that in a second. Uh, Rahab, we're going to look at Rahab next week. We're going to look at John Mark. We're going to look at Gideon. And you're going to see how God uses small people, outsiders, those that are behind the scenes, those that are, that are timid to do amazing things in this world. So we're going to look at, at the story of David and Goliath today. And I don't know if you've heard of this story. Everybody's probably heard of this story. Even people that, you know, have virtually no uh, church background or anything have at least heard of a version of this story. And I understand that, but I want to ask you today, right now, before we get into this story, because David was the smallest and in many ways the least likely to succeed, God used him to bring about his will. But can I ask you to do something for me here and for yourself? Can, can you kind of take a breath and kind of flush out maybe what you think you know of this story and look at this from fresh eyes. Look at this story from a place of, of fresh eyes and see what the Lord says to you today. David's family would have definitely voted him least likely to succeed. They barely even thought of him at all, as I mentioned a minute ago. He was just a shepherd boy that they threw out at the sheep, and they're like, we just, this dude's driving us nuts, so let's just send him out to the sheep. Um, but he was anointed by Samuel to eventually take Saul's place. And even in the process of that, as Samuel showed up to anoint David, even, even, his, dad, even his dad and his brothers were all like, oh, yeah, well, there's David out there. They, they even forgot about him in the, in the case because Samuel's like, is there anybody else? And they're like, no. Oh, well, yeah, this guy. So, I mean, you want to talk about least likely to succeed. That's even how his family looked at him. But he served. He served his dad. He served out in the fields, tending to the sheep and keeping them safe from bears and lions. And when the Israelites started fighting the Philistines, David's father sent him to take food to his brothers who were there at the battle. And so he basically sends him with some cheese sandwiches um, to, to his brothers there. 
And as he's sent, this is where we're going to pick up the story. If you have your Bibles or the Bible app, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can follow along. And we're going to read quite a bit um, today, just as a, as a heads up. Um, but I, I really think it's going to be helpful for us to read a lot of this story for us to get the picture of exactly what God did through someone who was least likely to succeed here. So beginning in verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. He loaded up and he set out. As Jesse had directed, Jesse's his dad, he reached to the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear, um, as they should. And we see in the next few verses that this nine-foot-tall beast of a man was so intimidating to the king and to those of Israel that King Saul actually needed a three-part bribe to try to entice those in the army to go out and fight him. And still, nobody would. It included a cash award. It included a princess and a tax exemption. And it still wasn't enough. And they're still like, I'm good. Right? Trying to persuade someone, anyone, to fight against Goliath. Saul and the men of Israel, they were only looking at this from a human perspective. And how many times in our life do we look at the giants that we face and only look at them from a, from a human perspective? David saw things, though. He saw things from God's perspective. And I want to encourage you to do that today as well. Let's keep reading. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David kind of asked, so, so what's going on? Who's going who's gonna to give, you know, what, what do we get if, I, if, if, if we kill this person? But, but really, he was more concerned. He didn't, he didn't really care. He didn't get an answer right there, if you notice. Because he was more concerned with what other people thought about God than he was about anything else. And he was definitely more, more concerned about what other people thought about God than what other people thought about himself. David saw the problem as an opportunity. Even at this young age, 13, 14 years old, he saw this problem as an opportunity. He's a leader. This is a guy who, who is a leader because that's what leaders do. He was compelled and he was obligated to stand for the Lord. Because of what he knew of God. Let me ask you this. What do you value and consider worth standing up for? What in your life do you truly value and consider worth standing up for? And here's the reason I ask. Because what you value drives your actions. What you value drives your actions. You could even reverse engineer this a little bit. And think about your actions and they will tell you what you value. If you, if you reverse that, and you might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable thinking through that right now. When you think through what your actions are, what the things are that you're doing in your life and the decisions maybe that you're making, they are going to tell you what you truly value. Do the core values of God's word drive your actions or do they keep you back from opportunities in the kingdom of God? Do you realize your value to God drives his actions. Do you realize that? 
your value to God drove his actions for what he did for you on the cross, for coming to this earth as we just celebrated with Christmas, for what, what he, the sacrifice he made for you, raising from the grave. Your value to him drove his actions and continues to to this day. His actions in your life now are driven by your value to him because you are his favorite thing. Humanity, people matter the most to God. And, and we can devalue ourselves, but here's the deal. All of us are wired differently for different things and to be able to do different things. There are some things that you guys are great at that I'm awful at and vice versa. And there's some things that you may be overlooking, some things in your life that, that God has blessed you with and wired you to do and, and different aspects of your life and the way that God has created you that can be used for the kingdom in amazing ways, but yet we devalue ourselves and forget that our value to God and that those things, those, those ways that God wired you are things to be used for the kingdom of God and to find and fulfill your purpose with a much higher calling than just, than just this world. Take a look at this verse. In Romans chapter 12, as Paul writes about this, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part a special function, so it is with Christ's body, which is us, the church. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So it shouldn't be a surprise that there are certain things you're good at that other people are, or when you look at other people that, that you see those things that they're good at and you're not. That's okay. That doesn't devalue you. We're all different parts of the same body, and we all have different value. Yes, you, even you, who thinks you have no value or no part to play in the kingdom of God other than just to maybe come in here or turn on the, on the live stream and sit and, and soak, that's, that's not at all what the word of God is saying. Your role is important. Every single person's role in the body is important. God's word says that, and the principles that we learn from David here in this story say that as well. See, David knew his value to God and didn't let his, his shortfalls stop him. He knew who he was and he knew who was behind him. He knew the power of God that was behind him and he knew his value to God. Granted, at his age, he probably didn't completely know all of his, um, all, you know, all of his attributes and all of the, the character attributes that God was building him toward, but you better believe he knew who had his back and that was his heavenly father. And it's the same with you and with me. Let's keep reading. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Right? So all of these guys, even with all the bribes and everything within the army, these guys, and, um, and David's like, I got this. I got this. He didn't even think about it. There, there was no choice. You may know, if, if you read this like straight through, there was no choice. David wasn't, wasn't like, well, let me think about this. It was like, well, if nobody else is going to go, then I'm going to do this. Like instantly. He was like, I'm, I'm going. This is happening. Everything God brought me through has prepared me for this moment. And he knew it. He knew it. Look at what he says next to the king. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
When it turned on me, I seized its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Like you can almost hear him saying it like that. All right, may God be with you. You know, but at the same time, do you, do you hear like the motivation in David's voice here? Do you hear the confidence? That's not confidence in himself. That's confidence in what God has brought him through and where God has brought him to this moment. The king definitely looked at him and, and thought he was unprepared. And there's times in our life where we face giants and we face different things in our life and we look at ourselves and we say, I'm not prepared for this. I'm completely unprepared for this. Have you ever showed up somewhere and realized that you are unprepared for the situation that you're walking into? Maybe you didn't bring the right tool to, to do a job or something along those lines or you dressed casually and you walk in and everybody's in a suit and tie and you're like, wow, all right. You know, or maybe it's the other way around. You, you know, you, you go to a party at somebody's house and everybody's in shorts and a t-shirt and you're like, okay, you know, and, and you feel awkward and you feel unprepared and you're like, what am I doing here? And people doubt you because they don't think you know what you're doing. When you show up unprepared, people doubt you and, and, and they think that you don't know what you're doing. But if we're focused on what we can do on our own, that's how we're going to feel instead of being focused on what God can do through us. And let me just say, whatever circumstance you're in, whatever situation you're in right now that maybe you're feeling unprepared, can I just say with God behind you that you may be more prepared than you thought? It may not seem like it right now. And maybe in the midst of, of the turmoil and the trouble, you may feel unprepared for what is coming or what you're in the midst of. But you may be more prepared than you thought because you've got God behind you. How awesome is this, right? In the face of the king, David remembers God's strength. Are we remembering God's strength in the face of whatever it is that we're, we're facing right now? Whatever that giant is that is standing in front of us could be various things. If we're truly living in the light of the value that we have in God's eyes, because you do, you have the utmost value in God's eyes and the fact that he has a purpose for you. That is a fact. He has a purpose for you and he can use you for his glory. Then we should stand tall. We should stand strong against the giants that we face and draw on the power of God to be filled with God's power, to be filled with God's strength and to stand against those giants. And people may doubt you, People might have thought David was the least likely to defeat Goliath. And you know what? On paper, yeah, it's hard to argue, right? But God had different plans. Look what happens here as we keep reading. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Okay, I can imagine Goliath being like, what? Okay, he's like nine foot, and this 13-year-old comes up and just starts like running his mouth and saying all of these things. I can imagine what's going, I mean, he had to be like, Rrr? you know, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, 
I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Mic drop, right? You know, it's one thing to say somebody should do something about this. But it's quite another to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something about this. This is a leader. This is someone who doesn't care what other people think, especially when it comes to doing what is right and standing for what is right and standing for God. This is also someone who finds their purpose and their value in the Lord, in the Lord and in his work. See, too often in our life, we come up against that giant and we see a roadblock and instead, God sees an on-ramp. We see roadblocks, God sees on-ramps. And we get this analogy because we live in Ohio, right? <laughs> see, the potential of Connect Church lies in the strength of its people. I've said that many times and I'm gonna continue to say that because it's the truth, I believe it. Because that's a principle from God. There are opportunities galore to serve and find your purpose and find more fulfillment in your purpose for his kingdom. And let me just give you some examples right now. Worship team. It's the first one I'm thinking of. Worship team. You may say, you know what? I like playing guitar and I can play guitar and, um, or I can play keyboard or I can sing. Good grief if the pastor can get up there and sing, right? But I'm not good enough to be a part of this. I'm, not, I'm, I'm probably not good enough. To, why not? Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Maybe, maybe this is a team that you need to be a part of. We need to grow this team. We want to build more teams. We want to build more. It's, it's one of the basic principles of our church as a whole is to continue to build teams. We want to build this team up here. Absolutely. If God has given you musical ability, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Randy. This could be the on-ramp of finding your purpose. We've even got a page on the website just for this and the tech team. It's connectchurch.xyz slash worship team. You can go there and you can fill out the application to maybe be a part of this. Maybe it's something that you've been thinking about for a while and you're like, eh, I don't know. You know what? Tell Satan to shut up and jump on the website and see maybe what God has for you. You never know. The tech team, the amazing people that are back there that we never think about, but it takes six to eight people to make this thing happen every single week, and they do an awesome job, and I love them to death. And our online team is, is doing amazing things, but you know what? We need to grow that team as well. And maybe that's something that you can be a part of. Maybe you're like, you know what? I can click an arrow to the right. Absolutely, and that can make a difference for the kingdom of God. And yeah, it's a little more complicated than that at times. But, but at the same time, it takes a good amount of people to make that happen. And, and we could use some, maybe some fresh ideas to the table. This is, this, is, this is about us. This is about all of us. And this is about what God has called us to do in purpose in reaching the kingdom. Jump on the website. We can use some help back there. If that's something that maybe God, and you're like, I don't want to be the person up front, that's fine. But you know what? We need some awesome people in the back. And we already have some awesome people in the back. But we need some more people there as well. Maybe it's kids ministry. Maybe it's kids ministry. We can always use more help there. And yeah, we have an incredible group that's taking care of our kids right now. Absolutely. But that group needs more help. The group's starting to grow, but we can use some more help. And you're like, I don't know if I can teach. 
I don't know if I can teach kids. I don't know enough. Um, you know, listen, God wants willingness and obedience. I will say at the same time, if you're like, I don't really like kids, then that's probably not for you. Okay? I'm just going to be straight with you. But, but you know what? If, if he's put that passion in your heart, and maybe, you're, maybe your ears are perking up a little bit for that one, I would encourage you to at least take a step and reach out to us. Go to the Dream Team webpage web and, and, and see. He's going to prepare you, and he will put that passion and that desire in your heart. Maybe it's the community missions team. Do you have a heart and a desire to help other people? That's a big part. When we say Christ community purpose, it doesn't just look good on the sign. It's something that we actually believe. It's something that is, is at the core of, of who we are. And you're like, I can't preach, but I could serve a bowl of soup. I can't preach or I can't sing, but I could certainly go help with like a construction project or something like that for somebody. Absolutely, good. We need that because we're gonna have more projects on the schedule really soon. Granted, weather is a thing. And so we're going to have to plan and prepare in that, in that way. But at the same time, there is never a shortage of people that need help in our community. And we are going to be a part of that as we move into 2022 together as a church. Maybe it's greeting. Maybe it's just standing there saying hello to somebody, holding a door, standing outside and holding a sign like some of our students do, which is awesome. And I love that. There, there are some people, and, and it may even be some of you, that have actually come to church and checked us out on a Sunday morning simply because there were some kids out there waving at everybody with a sign. And they're like, that looks like a friendly church. You know what? We do our best. We try to be. Absolutely. And so people show up because of that. Listen, there is nothing insignificant in the kingdom of God. And so stop telling yourself that this thing or that little thing is insignificant. It all matters. As, as we saw in that verse in, in Romans, as Paul talked about that, it all matters. Go to connectchurch.xyz slash dream team and find your spot. Or, or you can make excuses about why you're not good enough, why you're not smart enough, and people don't like me. Or make your excuses about why you don't have enough time. You know what? You put time into what you value. That's a hard truth, but it is. You put the time into what you value. Let's keep reading here. 1 Samuel 17. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him and he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that, their hero was dead. They turned and ran. You think? Yeah. A lot of times we leave off that part about how David went and cut his head off. I think it matters. I think it's a big deal because he did what he said he was going to do through the power of God. And while many historians believe that that sword was probably the size of David um, because of how big that guy was, still doesn't change the fact of what he did and how he showed the power of God through all of it. He takes down the giant with one stone. He grabbed five, but he only needed one. He chops off his head, and this teenager leads the army to a huge victory. A teenager. God uses anyone and everyone. Unfortunately, our teenagers are devalued today. Not to God. Not in God's eyes. Not at all. Our teenagers aren't the future of the church. They're the present. 
That's why we're putting our money where our mouth is when it comes to the, to the building over there and, and one of the big parts of all of that. It's one of the key moments that led to David eventually becoming the king over all of Israel. And David didn't just stop at that moment. He stood tall and others began to follow him. But that was a moment that defined him and helped define him and ultimately he became king. But it started with this story and it started with him standing up Yes, to a giant physically, but also to a giant metaphorically in his life. And God used it to define him and define his character. Now, David had his fair share of problems. Don't get me wrong. You keep reading his story. He was not perfect, not by any stretch. But look at what God chooses to say about him in the book of Acts here. God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Man, would I love God to be able to say that about me. I don't know how you feel. I would love God to be able to say that about me. The giant or the giants in your life may not be a huge man warrior beast like Goliath, but they can carry the same weight. They can carry the same weight in your life, and and they've destroyed a lot of lives because we weren't willing to stand up to them and because nobody thought that they could. What are the giants maybe in your life that you need to stand up to? Maybe you're a student and you're standing up. You've got these giants in your life of of peer pressure and you're afraid to stand up to them. You're feeling pressured maybe to have sex or to send pics or to do drugs or, or whatever that might be or to lie or to get involved deep in drama that maybe you shouldn't be involved in. Maybe it's to cheat. Maybe you're an adult and you're struggling with some of the same things because newsflash, kids, students, that stuff doesn't go away when you get grown. (laughs) It doesn't. We just get a lot better at hiding it and masking it. And we fool ourselves into thinking that, that we're doing better just because we're grown up. But guess what? We still struggle with with a lot of different things. There's still giants in our life. Maybe you're dealing with with some other things in your life. Maybe it's um, standing up for Christian values. Maybe it's a toxic relationship in your life that you need to move past. It might be fear. It might be um, acceptance of others. It might be uh, anger. Maybe it's something as simple as that. I'd be willing to bet, though, that the root of all of them, hear me, stick with me here for just just a quick second. The root of all of them, a majority of them, is feeling rejected by other people feeling rejected by other people because we don't always make the best decisions when we are trying to avoid rejection, do we? We don't. And you can say whatever you want, but everybody wants love and acceptance. Every human being, it's a core. We all want love and acceptance. And it may be on different levels, I get that. But everybody does their best to try to avoid rejection in different ways. We don't always make the best decision, but can I remind you of something today? That Jesus never rejects you? That Jesus never looks at you and, and says he's not good enough? Jesus never looks at you and says this person's a waste, this person's garbage? Jesus never looks at you and says that, especially when it comes to serving because you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving? See, your ability is not nearly as important to Jesus as your availability Your ability is not nearly as important as your availability. He's not asking you to have it all together or to have every single talent in place. He wants you to just be available first. 
David stood up to the giant when everyone else was afraid. And the crazy thing about David is as he stood up to Goliath, the fact that logically David was no match for it. And you may feel like logically you are no match for that giant that's standing in front of you. Yeah, on paper, David was no match for him. He was, he was huge. He was much bigger. He was much more skilled at killing. He was bigger. He had killed many more people, and, and he was huge, and he was bigger. I think we heard that part. But, I mean, if you look at stats, Goliath had, it was like 10,000 to zero in terms of, like, people that, that he had killed. David had killed no one up to this point. But on this day, at this time, David stood up. And he stood up to Goliath. And when God puts an opportunity in front of us, do we consider how we will look or come across to other people? Or do we consider what God wants? Are we more concerned with even what we think or with what other people think as opposed to what God wants? What you value drives your actions. What's our priority? Don't misunderstand me. The last thing we should do is completely write off what other people think, right? Or how we come across to others completely because we don't want to just completely throw our testimony down the, down the tubes either. We want to be kind and we want to be respectful and we want to think of others and, and, and put others above ourselves as, as it says in Philippians 1. Of course, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, no doubt. But we need to be faithful to what God is calling us to do. And if God wants to use us, even when we're small, we, do we listen to the enemy who laughs at us and tells us that we're garbage, that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, all those things that you're not capable? Or do we listen to the one, the one who created us, to the one who says your availability is more important than your ability? Which voice are we listening to? I can't encourage you enough if you're standing in the face of a giant right now to, to just put aside every voice that is not the voice of Jesus. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 here as we start to wrap up. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This is Paul talking here. He says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the connection point for the day is that you, yes, you, can be used by God. I don't care what you're thinking about yourself. I don't care what you're thinking about your abilities. I don't care what you're thinking about maybe your time or what you can or can't do or where you can serve or where you can't serve. Will you just start with this basic idea that you can be used by God and see where he leads you. God can use the smallest and least likely people to bring about his will. He's done it over and over and over again. And he can do it and will do it again through you. If you're available, if you're obedient, he wants to use you to bring about his will. And other people may think that you are the least likely you might think you're the least likely. But God might just have different plans. Are you willing to step out and face your giants? To let the Lord direct your path? 
and let him take care of the results because our responsibility is obedience. We need to be obedient and to let God take care of the results. Will you bow your heads with me? You know, I believe that this is a year of purpose for us here at Connect Church. Are you going to let the Lord guide you in finding that purpose for his kingdom on a deeper level this year? I pray that you will. I want to just ask you right now, with our heads bowed, if, if you would just pray a simple prayer of asking the Lord to help you to find your purpose for his kingdom in a deeper way this year. I know some of us are, are already heavily involved, but maybe we can lean in more to that purpose. Some of us aren't involved, involved at all, and we've just been maybe waiting for that push. Let me just say, I'm, I'm giving you that push. The Lord, I hopefully, hopefully, is giving you that push. Your church has an opportunity for you. And don't listen to the enemy who's trying to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not available enough, you're not capable enough. Because with Jesus and our weakness, he is strong. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I, I would love, love, love to pray with you and show you about a God who doesn't see you as garbage, but sees you as a treasure and wants to use you and bring purpose to your life in ways that you can't even imagine. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you so much for your love for us and I thank you that you choose to use the least likely. Lord, as, as we all look at ourselves maybe in, in ways, different ways than, than maybe what the world looks at us or others look at us, God, I pray that we would look at ourselves through the lens of, of you, Jesus. We would realize our value to you we would tell the enemy to shut up and to listen to your voice, Jesus, because you have a purpose and a plan for each one of us to make a difference for the kingdom, and it can be the simplest, smallest thing that can be used for eternal glory and to bring glory to you. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would put, put a weight on everybody's heart today. Lord, that this wouldn't just be something that would end when I say amen, but God, that, that this would be something that would, that would fester in everybody's heart and everybody's mind, even outside of today, tomorrow, the next day. Lord, that, that, that this is something that would, that would bug us to the point where we've got to take a step to be used by you, Jesus. Because that's how you choose to use this, to reach this world is through us. Father, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior or watching online, pray that they would maybe get that relationship with you right today, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would again just continue to move through this place and through us as we go out into a world that needs to hear you. Lord, we are essential workers. I pray that we can be the church as we go out to this world today and this week. Father, we love you. It's all for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.